You're listening to The Breakthrough Pod, the show dedicated to help you learn, grow, and become the best version of yourself. We share inspirational stories, strategies to overcome failure, and life lessons from truly amazing people. Let's get started with your host and founder of Student Breakthrough, Sam Moynet. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of The Breakthrough Pod with me, your host, Sam Oyne. And we are on 30 episodes. This small project that I started way back in lockdown one is now at this place. So thank you so, so much for stopping by, listening to the show. I'm really grateful to you personally. And in this episode, I'm joined by Michael Arterberry. Michael is a motivational speaker, founder of Power of Peace, and describes himself as a master encourager. Now, Michael's from Connecticut, USA, and it was so great to connect with someone across the pond who shares my similar values of empowering young people to thrive, succeed, and achieve. So this episode is amazing. It's so inspirational. Michael goes all the way back on his story, and he doesn't hold back you know, on his vulnerabilities, on the challenges he's had to overcome, and he's got some fantastic insights, fantastic wisdom to share with you. So sit back, relax as always, and listen to episode 30 of The Breakthrough Pod. Michael Arterberry, welcome to the Breakthrough Pod. Yes, yes, I'm excited to be here with you, Sam. I'm excited to talk to you and get get at your audience a little bit there as well. Yeah, man, it's been uh, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. And uh, if you just tell the audience, you know, what do you do for a living? What, what, you know, what are you up to right now? Well, you know, I'm I'm a motivational speaker, so I I speak at different venues to motivate people. I'm a firm believer that we have to take our obstacles and our uh, our obstacles and turn them into opportunities. So what I do is I'm, I'm good at walking beside them and, and motivating them by allowing them to speak their mind. And I take what they say and I help them to apply it and put it to a plan to be successful. On top of the motivational speaking, I also have a nonprofit where I take a program into middle schools and high schools. And what I do with them is I, I again allow the students to use their stories to motivate them and move them. But I use my story as a catalyst to push them and set them up to um, gain some, some insight on things that they could use from my story to help them motivate themselves. So. Well, we are very well connected, my friend, because that's exactly what uh, what I do. And I know lots of people who listen to this will know lots about my story, but I really want to hear your story and how you got into this motivational speaking. So where did this whole thing start? Let's go way back. What, yeah, what yeah. So check this out, Sam. I want to tell you a story that will set this up. Um, and it's about a farmer and a donkey, Sam. All right. And this donkey is one of his favorite farm animals. Because after he finishes working on a farm with the donkey, he brings the donkey back to his house and he allows his donkey to play with his kids. So imagine, Sam, he comes down the driveway, the kids come running out the house, they wash him, they ride him, and this becomes like a normal evening ritual. So the, the, the farmer brings him home one night, they do their ritual, he lit, puts him back out into the farm, but the next morning, Sam, when he comes to get him, he calls his name and the donkey doesn't show up. So when the donkey doesn't show up, he starts walking around the farm and he's calling his name. And he finally sees him at the bottom of an empty water well. So he looks down in the well, Sam. He's like, yo, I want to get him out. So he goes and gets six of his friends and they decide that they're going to pull him out with some rope. So all six of his boys, they get rope. They start to last with the donkey. They throw the rope. They miss. They throw the rope. They miss. 
Then they finally throw it by his hind legs, and he steps into the rope. They shimmy it up his body, and they start to pull. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then Sam, halfway up the well, they realize that the donkey's too heavy. So they lower the donkey back to the bottom of the well. And now this farmer has to make a grim decision. Now, see, he can't feed him food at the bottom of the well because that wouldn't make any sense. You know, he can't starve him because, you know, I just said it, he's like a pet. So he's like, nah, I just can't starve him. One of his hot-headed friends was like, hey, just shoot him. He's like, no, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> so one of his more reasonable friends got behind him and whispered in his ear, Sam. He said, yo, listen, you don't want your kids to fall into the well. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to sacrifice your donkey, but we're going to make it safe for your kids. So they're going to cover him with dirt. And his farmer was like, you know what? I can deal with that. So all six of them, Sam, they get shovels. And they start shoveling that dirt into the well. And every time it hit the donkey, he would scream. And every time he would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. So you got dirt, scream, dirt, scream, dirt, scream. Sam, all of a sudden, the scream stopped. When the scream stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence. But they went back to work. More dirt, more dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, Sam, you see the donkey's right here. They start moving cartoon style. The next thing you know, you see half his body. They start moving and moving and moving. The next thing you know, that donkey walks right out of the well that he fell into. So check this out, Sam. Every time that dirt came across the wall, it would fall on that donkey's back. He would shake it off and he would step on it. And he took every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. So check this out, Sam. Let me wrap this up for you. I'm the donkey. I'm the donkey, bro. I grew up in a home with a raging alcoholic father. Now, when I say raging, I'm talking about with a capital R. He raged from the time I was born until the time he died when I was 16. So what that meant was when I'm going through my day and I'm playing ball and doing what I'm doing, Sometime during the day, something would tap me on my shoulder and be like, hey, buddy, don't you get too happy because you got to go home to that raging alcoholic father. On top of a raging alcoholic father, I grew up in poverty. Both my parents worked full time, but my father's money went to drinking. So my mother raised four kids cleaning people's homes. She was a housekeeper. And last but not least, listen, bro, dysfunction. When you got that as the head of your household and that stuff is trickling down the pipe, you know, we weren't led by a good leader. You know what I'm saying? But like we said in the beginning, I use all of the cracks in this person right here and I use that as a catalyst to push me to help young people and adults to find their paths in their lives. Hey, what a story. What a story. <laughs> Love it. Um, I always say that a bit like your your great, great donkey story there, that failure is a blessing and, and the failures, I guess what you're talking about there, I guess is it that the failures stack up and eventually they they lead us to be able to walk out of the well or the problem that we face? What does that mean to you? What it, what it means to me is the fact that problems come. And when they come, we have to be able to take the proper perspective on the problem because what people have a tendency to do is to get overwhelmed. 
So you want to see the problem coming, deal with it and address it, shake it off, and then step on it so that if you don't get on top of it, you get buried. So there's a lot of people that just wake up in the morning. They got all these things going on in their lives. They make the choice not to address it. And before they know it, they're at the bottom of the well and they can't get out. They're covered with dirt, Sam. Because they're not actually engaging with the setback, right? Because I always tell kids that two two questions to overcome failure. Number one, what can I learn from this? Right. And number two, how can I use this knowledge in the future? Right. So shake your dirt. Shake. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Shake your dirt. Shake your dirt, Sam. So obviously your dad, you know, obviously was not the best father in the world. Um, Positive or negative, what lesson did you take away from him? That I wanted to be the total opposite. Mm. So anything, anything he did, Sam, I do the total opposite. You know what I'm saying? You know, I used to at one point to give him some kudos in, in the midst of that rage. He had this temper and he didn't like people messing with him, obviously. And I had this temper where if you push me into a corner, you know, and I still do have it. So it's a little bit of a, a, a quality where I have a long leash, but if you finally back me in that corner, I will bite you something fierce to make sure you don't come back and do it again. So you know what? If there's anything I took from him positive, it was that. Anything else? Nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, Well, it's it's, it's, it's struggle, isn't it, sometimes that we have to go through pain? Because I'm assuming, right, let's just hypothetically speak here. If your dad was a loving, caring father, not a raging alcoholic with a capital R, would you be doing what you're doing right now? Or would you be doing something else, do you think? If he wasn't, oh, no, I had to. You know, and, and let me tell you, Sam, I talk about it in my talks that eventually you get in, into a part of your life where you say, like, you're right, I had to. And then there's other things. I mean, my childhood was just the beginning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, when we talk about dirt in our lives, you know, you get out of one situation and next thing you know, you're in another one. So they constantly keep coming. Yeah, what's that phrase? Out the frying pan into the fire? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Pan into the fire, yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah how did you, just a, a personal question, if it's okay asking, how did you respond to his, his death when you were 16? Wow, Sam, that's a good one. So check this out, bro. He got into a car accident. So imagine showing up at the hospital, me and my siblings and my mom. He's in the in, in like ICU and in the in the waiting room, we're contemplating if we want him to survive. Wow. Like, like, yeah. So we like sitting down and we're talking about like, yo, do we really want him to come home? And yo, I'm telling you, honestly, I had to really go to a deep place to say, yes, there was a part of my brain that said, you know what? We done. Let 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 him move on to the next place wherever he's going. Let's leave this hospital and start our lives over. But, you know, after we talked about it a little bit, I got one brother that identified with him who loved him dearly because he became an alcoholic just like him. <laughs> and he was, yeah, so he was the cheerleader. And by the time we finished, we was like, you know what, maybe this would change him. But real quickly, Sam, he had done things like this before. So to be quite honest, for him to come out and change, he, he had been in accidents. He had had tragedies happen to him and he continued drinking. So when he died, I I, I felt relieved, man. My mom, I'm sorry if I'm going too long, but my mom, Sam, my mom 
still has nightmares. Bro, he's been dead since I was 16. I'm 52 years old. You look good for 52, by the way. Yo, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, I'm 52. But yo, if she stays at my house and, and you know, she's in another room, bro, she has she's running from him. You gotta go in and wake her up, man. So, you know, the damage that he did, you know, I was happy to have him off this earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a man of faith, so I mean I didn't want him dead, but there was some relief that came to me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's hard for me to really uh, empathize with that because I've never had that experience. Um, but wow. thank you for being so honest and open and, and really sharing. It was funny how your dad never learned from his dirt. He never learned to shake it off. It was always no. just piling on, piling on, piling on. So on this journey, Michael, you've got up to, we got to when you're 16 and obviously using uh, the pain of that experience. But then you said, interesting, I said, was this where it began? And you were like, yeah, but it's just the start. So I want to keep, I'm really in, I'm into this. I want to know what else happened. What was next on this, on this you know, chain of events? So, okay. So imagine I'm, I'm a kid growing up in this dysfunction, but what I did to deal with it is God blessed me to be an elite athlete, Sam. So I played soccer, basketball, baseball, and football <laughs> from the age of eight until I graduated high school. So my mom got me into sports. I was a phenomenal athlete. By the time I got to high school, because I, I put all my energy into it, I could have gone to college for all four sports, but I picked football. So now I'm a senior in high school here. Um, and, and the big deal here is to go off to a big college because I wanted to play professional. So Sam, I'm, I'm, I'm geared up going into my senior year, dude, I'm like the top 22 recruit in the nation. Like I'm about to go to one of those schools that plays on television on Saturdays, bro. Um, and they had a rule where you could actually go to these big schools and not even graduate high school. I mean, it's not a good rule, but back then it was a rule. And um, so you could do that, but my senior year, they changed the rule. So they switched up the rule. I never went to class because I watched all the other guys go off to college without having a good education. I'm not proud of that, but I'm being honest. And I lost all of my free rides to scholarships. Oh, and I man. ended up going, yeah, man, I ended up in here, you know, over, across the pond over here, we have junior colleges. So I ended up going to a small school eventually going off to a, a bigger school, but my, my chances of going professional was much slimmer because I ended up at a smaller school. So that's, that's one bump. There's more, but that was right after that teenage year. You know, if I go off to a bigger school and I, and I get a pro scholarship, I'm, I'm out of the, the ghettos of where I was growing up. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I guess it's hard though, because you only know what you know. Right. Yeah. So back then you only knew what you knew, but in hindsight, you'd say, I wish I could have gone there. Um, Spin-off question, by the way, what do you think about American sport where I guess you get to a certain point and then if you don't make it, then there's nothing else really to, to fulfill that. Do you know what I mean? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, what happened with me is um, I, I was just like that. <laughs> you know, like my son plays sports now. I have to get on him. Like you, if you said, what did I want to be when I grow up? I said a professional football player. I didn't, I didn't want to be a doctor, a lawyer or anything else. But you know what happened, Sam, when we talk about different things that happen, I broke my ankle in college. So I'm in college. I'm on my route to be a professional football player. Again, getting the wonderful accolades and I break my ankle. And don't you know, Sam, when I broke my ankle, I realized that I wasn't a machine. And that's when I picked my major. 
and I, I, I wanted to become a social worker. Mm. So I, 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 I picked that as my, my path, but you're right. So many people put the sport in the front and don't have a backup plan. So now that I mentor young people, I make sure that if the sport, I don't rain on their dream. If you want to be professional, be a professional, but make sure you got a backup plan. I think you got to always have ABC. And I think the people, if we go again, I want to go back to this well, the well story you mentioned that the people that climb out the well, the donkey that comes out the well have different options. They have different things lined up. So if that first thing doesn't go, then they've got, like you said, all these other, other things that they can choose. And I think, it's a it's a silly mistake to thump well sometimes obviously follow your dreams but to throw all your eggs into one basket right. and if the basket <laughs> breaks or whatever and your eggs get smashed on the floor then you got some scrambled eggs you haven't got anywhere to go right <laughs> yeah yeah you sure do you got a mess <laughs> awesome man um so the social work I'm, I'm guessing that came because of your childhood right you wanted to help other kids who maybe had a tough tough upbringing was that your reason for the social work or was it just because of your broken ankle? No, you know, I, um, I, I, I was always working in camps and anytime I worked in a camp, they always get it. I ended up with the kid that nobody else could control. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, the kid is start acting up and they'll just, you see him, bring him to my group. Like, like they got him hanging by his shirt, you know, <laughs> and they just drop him in front of me. Like, all right, Michael, this is your project. And what I found is that kids, they love me. You know what I'm saying? And the more difficult the kid was, the more he loved me. And, and this parent would come to camp and what are you doing with him? And it wasn't anything that I did special, Sam. I think it's just part of my gifting. And so when I had to declare a major, you know what I'm saying? I picked something that was consistent with what I felt my gift was. You know what I'm saying? And so social work, I felt was a place where I could try to reach back and give to the youth. And, and I stumbled over a gold mine because it was, it was a perfect fit. It's so funny how I'm, and this story will relate to lots of this quote, which is uh, from Steve Jobs, that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to yeah. trust in God, destiny, life, karma, the universe, whatever, that they're going to connect down the road. Right. And I'm starting to see this with your story that we're slowly starting to piece all these things together to, to get to you know where you are which is still let's be honest uh, a work in progress right there's never there's never a finished article there's never a, i've now made it do you know what i mean yeah 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 well the teacher has all, always has to remain the student say mm. you know and once you remain the student what's beautiful about that is that you can you know i learn i learn from the students that i work and i love when they give me a jewel like when a kid teaches me something i don't even let them move like stop I need you to understand that this old horse right now learned something from you, 14-year-old or 15-year-old. You just taught me something really new about life. And so when you're open like that, you get people in our positions and we get some authority and some power and we feel like we know everything. It limits our reach to people because you can't be trapped off that way. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, the, 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 the teacher must always remain the student so you can be inspiring and functional in a positive way. I think it's so important as well to, I don't know about you, but I'm always about showing my vulnerabilities as well. Not just like, oh, my God, I'm like, I, I work with students. I'm some positive guru, expert. I've got my life together, right? All my, everything, everything's fine. 
on social, I'm, I'm, it's important, I think, that we all show a bit of vulnerability. Is that something that you show your audience as well and the people you work with? I know you're doing you, a great you, job right now, so. No, no, Sam, you're in my head, bro. You're in my head. Check this out, Sam. I start all my talks, even in, like from the podium, I use like a slideshow presentation, but I show right from the beginning. I expose my cracks immediately. So what I do with the students is I show them a picture of the house I grew up in. Now, Sam, this house that I grew up in, if you see it in the picture, it looks condemned. I rarely had heat in the winter. Didn't know where my next meal was coming. I had this alcoholic father. I explained to them all my imperfections. You see what I'm saying? But then I showed them a house where I live at now, Sam. So for a teenager, you think about it, bro. I'm about to take them on a journey. I show them where I started. Then I show them a picture of where I'm at now. And then I put the picture side by side, Sam. And I explain to them that in between these pictures is what we call life. And what we're going to experience during this time together is I'm going to show you what I've done to shake my dirt because I tell them the donkey story as well. <laughs> but I want them to learn more about what their dirt is. And through our journey, through my program, which I call Power of Peace, they'll learn to be able to get some um reflection and 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 put their goals in place nice i can't wait to hear i cannot wait to hear um and let's let's keep on the timeline um so we're going to go back to the social work idea i don't put a bit of a tangent there i just want to pull it back yeah so did you go was that something you committed to did you did you do the social work thing or was that yeah sort of yeah. a side track no i committed matter of fact okay little wrinkle just a little wrinkle it was a psychology major but then they said I had to go immediately to uh, graduate school. And because I lived in the, in the ghettos, I wanted to work immediately so I could help my mother out. So I had to go to my department and that rather than psychology, social work was the next thing in line where I could go out and work immediately. So I picked social work. But I picked that and, 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 and I wrote it out. And, and what happened with the social work is that I got into these jobs, you know, um, and I'm going to segue into my program. People would give me curriculums, Sam, and they would buy them off the internet, give me the curriculum. And then when it wasn't successful, I would get punished. You know, it's like, I, I bought this for you. The kids are not responding. What are you doing wrong? So, you know what, Sam, I said, I'm going to fix this. What I did is I took my childhood. I took my education. You know what I'm saying? Um, from social work. And I created my own curriculum, bro. And, and the curriculum I created is called Power of Peace. And what's powerful about it is that transparency. You know what I'm saying? What I did is I went back into my childhood and I pulled out all the files of what I was able to overcome, the tools that I used, and I put together a two-day curriculum that's interactive that helps these young people go back through their story and, and figure out some of the some of the obstacles that may have been thrown in their way. So with this, you know, the power of peace, I'm assuming with my coaching hats on, there might be lots of is there forgiveness in there? Is there like, you know, acceptance, letting things go from the past? Or is it is it more present focused, your program? What would you say? What I what I do is it's 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 all of that in one. But what I do is is I, I I'm a firm believer that we go through life 
and this is everybody, not just teenagers, and we step on landmines, Sam. Now, you step on the landmine, the landmine doesn't blow you up, but it causes damage. And when it causes damage, what you start to do is you start to make decisions in real time. So what I believe is I believe that we step on landmines, all right, but the landmines don't blow us up. The landmines create damage and we start making decisions in real time based on the damage of our past. So my activities are based on having them walk back through their lives, see where the landmine was, identify the landmine, because what they're doing is they're 14 and 15 years old and their decisions are based on something that may have happened to them in their childhood. But one of the things that I start with is their minds, Sam. I got a a tag that I have that is be the driver of your car, not the passenger of your car. Mm -hmm. And what I explain to these young people is the fact that we are products of our thought lives. And what a teenager doesn't understand is that you have the power to hold on to thoughts or kick them out. And so through my process of the interactive activities, I allow them to understand that, listen, if you're not careful of how you process information, it will become the driver of your car and you will become the passenger. Well, that's the biggest problem, I think, that people see their thinking as reality. Yeah. They see their beliefs, which you and all this are formed between like the age of zero and eight, a long, long time in our childhood, but we treat it all as facts. Um, and actually... It's just patterns or assumptions that we're running in our head that we see as truth. And then that obviously, you know, this impacts our feelings, the actions we take, the results we get, right? So I think making people aware of that, especially young people and teenagers in the work that we both do, different approaches, but similar values, uh, I think is beyond beyond necessary, right? It's the most important thing because I used to share this quote, which I'm not sure you've seen. It says, uh, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. Ah, yes, sir. Yes, so, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's that's the quote that really fires me up. Um, what what are your thoughts on that that quote actually? Well, it's 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 totally accurate because you know I do the work with the youth, but then when I do the work with the adults, it, it's crazy to meet. You know what? To meet a broken adult. Sam, and, and they have no idea they're broken. It's sad, bro. Mm. It's sad, man. You know, and then when, when I, I meet one through, 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 like, I can't shut it off. So, I, like, if you take me to a barbecue, you know, if you catch me, you know what I'm saying, we start having a few beers or something, and you let me in your head and I identify, I got to let you know because I feel like, when you are a broken adult and you can't identify with where you came from, you know, some some of them spit venom. They 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 want to make other people feel like they feel because they are are unhappy. So when you say fix the adult, you know, yeah, you want to get to it because once they become older. And they're out there and they're doing their thing. You know, it, 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 it's it's ugly. It's really ugly. You know, a teenager is just as ugly when they walk around and they're toxic to their environment. But when you have adults, especially, and I'll, I'll finish with this, teachers, when we're talking about school, 
I do staff development training, Sam. And let me tell you something. Right in front of a group of teachers, you know what I tell them? I tell them that there's some of you in this room that need to retire. After I finish my talk and I download this information to you, I need you to go back to your classroom, self-reflect and evaluate because some of you are no longer fit to do what you're doing because you are damaged and they have no idea that what they can say to one student can crumble their entire world. It's mad, isn't it? How for adults and teachers and, 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 and well, parents, anyone that, that one comment that is a passing comment that doesn't mean anything impacts a student on a certain day at a certain time. And it literally sends them into a different world or a different path. And it holds them back for potentially their whole life. It's actually mind blowing. And the, the, the sad thing about it is as well, that unless you're conscious of that language you're using in front of students, it's really hard not to impart that limiting belief or limiting stuff that you've got right onto right. them. In a, in a in a just a, a casual way, you didn't mean to do it. I don't think anyone really goes out of their way to purposely <laughs> like ruin a young person's beliefs. But if they're not conscious of it, because you've obviously worked with adults, I work with adults as well. And when you give them the awareness, they're like, oh, wow, I see it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I highlight it. You know, I highlight it. What I tell them is, is that it's not an assembly line. You know, you can't come to work and think you're, you're putting cars together. Mm. You, you, you're not taking nuts and bolts and twisting them and tightening them. You know what I'm saying? And what I do with my program is I mandate that there's at least two teachers minimum in each one of my groups. Because what I want these teachers to do is to see these young people outside of a class. And what happens is once they see them outside of a classroom, you know, check it out. I have an activity that I call personal share. So we've been together for two, two days. Everybody's softened up. It's like the end of the second day. And you bring in an item that means a lot to you, Sam. So people bring in stuffed animals, pictures or whatever. I do everything I do in a circle. So imagine we're in a circle. Everybody pulls out this item. We get to a girl. She pulls out a picture of her and her dad. So it's loaded now. So she pulls a picture out. We're all waiting for this fluffy story. And she explains to us that he called her two nights before and said that he should have aborted her. Ooh. That she should have never been born. That he, he, I mean, he just totally berated her. And so she's showing us the picture as a symbol of hurt. Whereas, you know, when we saw the pictures, we thought it was going to be love. Three people over... Is a teacher who has a picture of his family. He's white picket fence. You know what I'm saying? Silver spoon. <laughs> and yo, Sam, he was crying like a baby, bro. And when we got to him, he couldn't show the picture of his family. Before he spoke, he got up and went and hugged the girl. And I'm telling you this because when you talk about we speak to adults and teachers, that man will never stand in front of another classroom and teach it the same after that experience. Mm. Yeah, it's powerful. I love the circle thing as well. I think sharing in that way is is awesome. Like really, really fantastic. So, mate, all, oh, inspirational work, dude. Inspirational work. How did you? You don't. You don't just become a motivational speaker, right? You don't just get on stage. There's some, you know, practice, and you have to hone your craft and this thing. So, I'm curious about the link between the social work creating this program and also becoming, you know, the guy that obviously I'm you, if you're listening to this, you can hear and I can see. So what was that? What were those steps? 
you know, um, I'm a man of faith. You know what I'm saying? I'm very, very spiritual. Um, so I'm going to say this and give all credit to God. It's just who I am. So I was always the captain of a sport. You know, I was a big kid. So I had the, the choice of being a bully or the protector of those being bullied. So I was always in a leadership role. And so the way I speak in the motivational speaking was always part of my character to the point where, and I find it very humbling that when I post things on social media and my grade school friends comment, yo, they thought I was a superhero, Sam. Like that's the greatest compliment, you know, because I was so good in sports, you know, what, but the craziest thing saying <laughs> is they didn't know the backdrop story, bro. You know, when, when, when I start telling my story and my classmates hear that I was coming from that crazy home, you know, they, they tell me like, yo, you used to come to school with a smile on your face every day. But again, that plays into the whole motivational piece. So the nurturing of, of doing the motivational speaking was was in me. Um, I think the only thing that I had to start to craft was messages. You know what I'm saying? I had to start to. So I have a message that I generally bring. But audiences, if you if you email me or we we have a consulting meeting first, I can create a talk around what your environment needs or I deliver, you know, what I call walking like a champion where I drop a little bit of everything on. Sprinkle them in some gold. Yes, 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 sir. <laughs> what was the, have you got a, a one child in particular in your story that you really, you can just picture and how you helped them and yeah. like gave them, can you, can you share one of those stories? So what would that yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, bro. We just, he and I just talked yesterday. Um, so imagine one of my first jobs was at, do you have foster care? In, yeah. Uh, okay. So it was foster care, Sam. And so I'm a, I'm a social worker and I work this program called independent living. So in, in the States, when you come into the system, you have goals, uh, either go back to your parent, um, to be adopted, um, and different various things. So my, my job was independent living. So the kids I would get the parents, when they came in the system, would give them what they call an independent living goal. So a kid would come in at eight and his goal was to never go back home. I had to get him ready so that when he was 21, he was going to go out on his own. And so I bet this young man and uh, his story's crazy. Um, like he won't mind me telling you this, but yo, his father is his uncle. Okay. So his mother was raped by her brother and kept the baby. So imagine at, at like 14, we had to tell this guy this, bro. And so, you know, the bottom didn't drop out. He, you know, I kept counseling him, but this kid went from poverty, taking good, good advice. He went on and he got his bachelor's degree in business. He went on and got his master's degree in business administration, you know, I remember going to his graduation and sitting at the table at dinner. And, and what was cool, Sam, because you talk to young people as well, is that his college buddies was kicking back to me stuff I told him while he was growing up. bro. <laughs> so he took my words and, and he would deliver them to other people to, to nourish and feed them as well. You know, um, and our relationship stayed so strong. You know, he's now... Uh, 
a guidance counselor at one of the biggest high schools up in our area. But and also I was the best man in his wedding, bro. No way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, man. And so we he and he's at the age where he's he's old enough. He could have been my brother. Or if I had a kid at a young age, he could be my son. So it's funny that when we have our conversations, there's sometimes the brother talk or sometimes and he'll come. He, he won't say I need dad today, but I can tell by the subject matter if he wants the dad advice or he wants the brotherly love type advice. But that my man is one that I, I remember <laughs> because he 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 he's defied all the odds and he's killing it out there right now. Sam. I love the the ripple effects as well of the work that we do in terms of helping one person and you make them feel more positive more motivated, more happy, whatever. And then they go out and have an impact on someone else. And then they go out and have an impact on someone else. And I know it's small, right? But if we all do a little bit, we all put out good energy, we help someone else, then the world will be a nicer place because that ripple effect will get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, you know what I mean? definitely. Yeah, I agree. You know, in my book, I wrote a book called Be Encouraged, Sam. Um, and in my book, I wrote this. It's uh, short-term thinkers plant gardens, long-term thinkers plant trees, eternity-minded thinkers plant themselves and the souls of others. So, Sam, check this out. What I mean by that is this, bro. When you talk about what you just mentioned, whenever I have an interaction with a person, I'm deliberate. Like when I leave you, Sam, when I walk down the hallway, I want you to like scratch your head and be like, yo, who was that dude, bro? Like, yo, like, yo, like what, what did I just freaking experience? And if people lived consciously like that, like you just said, man, the world would be a better place, man. Mm, totally. I actually saw that, that quote on your website. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So, so good. Um, I am not a massive i'm gonna be actually i'm gonna give you this i want to ask you this question i met a baptist minister ages ago and we were speaking about the church and also personal development and coaching and what some of the things we talk about my question to you is as a man of god as a man of faith what are the links for you between the motivational stuff and religion if you don't mind answering that Oh, do, are you allowing me? I, I got an open door to answer that. Like, yeah, you go got, for it. Yeah, because some podcasts, you got to be careful. So, listen, you just stepped into my world. Let me okay. tell you something. Cool. The connection is this, bro. When you're a man of faith, I spend time with God because what I want is to bring him from my, my studies and illuminate him on the world. You see what I'm saying? So the connection is this, bro. I've done podcasts and maybe it's happened to you while we're talking and the podcaster will say, oh, I felt chills or, or I felt a certain way. And I take that as kudos to not me as a man, but on what I've studied. You know, um, there's a, 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 a spiritual song that says, if you're looking for him, I hope you find him in me. So there's people that I meet that will never, ever reach out to have a relationship with God. So when I go out to the world, I want to be a link to them from my spiritual background, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I guess it's just the it's, it's the belief in a higher purpose in some ways. But what I love as well with that is you come across obviously very inspiring with your story, but it's not, it's definitely not ego driven. It's definitely not arrogant. It's definitely not, oh, look at me. I've come over all of this and like, you know, check me out, right? It's not about that at all. And that's what I've really, I've really enjoyed about this conversation and your story. It's, it's very humble, you know, very, very humble, which I love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I think as a speaker, that's, I get compliments on that as well. That, and I think it's just being real and honest with people. You know? Well, that's that's part of our success here. And you know what's really crazy is I get people that want to help me. So they come in and they want to help me with promoting myself. And because of the authenticity of who I am, they 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 label me as not being successful. So I had a woman help me with a business plan. She wanted to cookie cut me like these people out there that are are just you know running through things. And, and it wasn't working, but it wasn't because it wasn't aligned to my purpose. And then finally, I had to say to myself, because I'm getting discouraged now because I'm paying her all this money. We're, we're, we're setting up click funnels and I'm putting all this money. Nobody's buying my books. And then I stepped back and I said to myself, bro, that's not how you function. See, I'm, I'm not about the dollar. You know what I'm saying? I'm about helping. So, you know, I feel as if not to get over religious, but I feel as if I don't have to get monetary things back. God blesses me in my life for the good that I do. So as long as I continue to do the good, everything else is taken care of. So I had to tell her politely, like, listen, back off, you know, back off. This is not what I do. This is not how I function. Let me stay in my lane and do what I have Mm. to do. Yeah, stay in your lane. And that's actually so important for life, not just a business. Just do what you've got to do and live your purpose, live your truth, and don't don't worry what, what about what anyone else is doing. Just just keep driving down your path and uh and put out that good energy as well. Cause I think that's yeah. kind of what you're saying there as well is you put out good stuff, you're gonna get rewarded somehow yes. down the line. You know, yes, doing this you podcast, you're giving up your time, um, you'll get something back from it, I'm sure. I mean, whatever yes. form it takes, you know. It's um yes. It's fascinating. So I've got a question for you, which is what's been your biggest challenge recently? So your latest time where you had dirt shoveled on your back. Ah, <laughs> uh, here you go. You're in my head again, Sam. I got one for you. So check this out. <clears throat> Elite athlete, bro. I'm talking about after football, I became a, a bodybuilder. I break my ankle in college. Seven years after I break my ankle, Sam, I wake up one morning and the ankle seems tender. So, you know, I don't like doctors. So, Sam, I I adjust my workouts and I pretend like it's not there, Sam. (laughs) Right, right. So, yeah, Coach, Coach Sam, you know, you know, I'm the player. And so I'm going through life pretending like this ankle's not feeling funny. Sam, I didn't do it one month, two months. Dude, I did this for like a couple of years. So one day I'm walking into work, Sam, and uh my coworker says, yo, Michael, you're limping. Red flag. I'm like, whoa, so I'm not really hiding it too well if I'm limping, right? <laughs> so I still don't pull the trigger and go to a doctor. I got a buddy of mine who's a chiropractor. So I go to him. He gives me orthotic lifts. I put him in my shoe. Of course, it didn't help the limp, right, Sam? So I'm still, still walking around, playing it off like I don't really have anything wrong. But then all of a sudden, I started to lose the gait. And my leg, I started to swing it like I had cerebral palsy. 
So now I'm starting to trip out, right, Sam? So I go to a orthopedic surgeon. He takes x-rays, puts them up on the screen. Dude tells me, yo, I can't tell you why you limping. And sends me home, Sam. Like, like I left the doctor's office walking like I got cerebral palsy, and he didn't give me no answers. So, dude, I'm still limping through life, and I'm talking about I'm freaking miserable, bro. Miserable, right? So then one day, I'm sitting down to get dressed, and I'm a gym rat, so squats, deadlifts, all of that, right? Sam, I look at my legs, they're atrophied, and bro, I said, whoa. The feeling I was having in one leg moved to the other leg. So my wife says, listen, I, I did all these doctors. She said, listen, you're a podiatrist. I'm like, what the heck am I going to podiatrist for? But Sam, I walk into the podiatrist's office and dude, I called in advance. So when I got up out of the chair, he says, oh, it's not your ankle. I think it's your back. So I'm looking at him like he's crazy. Now, Sam, I go into the examining room. He starts to examine me. And yo, his face went to panic, Sam. And he calls the nurse in the room. And he's like, listen, my buddy is a neurologist across town. I want you to get him an appointment right now. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second, slow down, doc. And he couldn't get me an appointment that day. He got me one for the next day. So imagine I wake up the next morning, Sam, I'm going to a neurologist, no idea why I'm going. I'm walking to the neurologist's office and the same thing, he's like, yo, it's not your ankle, it's your back. And he does an examination on me, Sam. And he sits, he's behind this mahogany desk, and he says to this elite athlete, you either have a cancerous cyst on your spine, or you got, you, you got multiple sclerosis. Bro, I'm sitting in that chair, I'm blown away. And I'm saying to myself, what? I get into the car, I got to wait a week before I can get an MRI. So I got to wait a week to find out why I'm like this. So, dude, I'm sitting in there. You know, I, I talk to students about depression <clears throat> because during that week, my head went to some crazy places. But long story short, um, after the week was done, they found out that I didn't have a cancerous cyst and I didn't have multiple sclerosis. But what I did have, Sam is I had a cyst on my spinal cord that I was born with. It was the size of a pimple when I was born. But by the time I got older, it's the size of my fingertip. And it compressed my vertebrae against uh, my spinal cord against my vertebrae. Oh. Spinal fluid was not getting to my legs. When my ankle started to hurt, my body was saying, I'm not getting the spinal fluid. The knucklehead that I went to as a uh, uh, the the um, surgeon, all he should have said was go get an MRI. So what happened was is all the damage that was causing my legs was irreversible because of the nerve damage. But they opened up the spinal spinal uh, cord, and so I, I have free flowing spinal fluid. But I limp. I walk with a cane, and just a few years ago. You know, um, it was hard for me to walk and and like my kids play soccer. So what I would do when I would go to a soccer field is so I couldn't if I couldn't get all the way to the field, I bring a chair, Sam. And what I would do is get as close as I could to visually see them. And I would just prop my chair there, bro. You know, so sometimes they would be as small as an ant or if I can get closer, they can get bigger. <laughs> 
But what I did is I went online and I found um, one of those motorized chairs, bro, that you could take it apart and put it in and out of your car. And I call it my equalizer, man. You know, so now I have it. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, when I go to the basketball games and such, you know, I just pull it out of my back of my car. I get in it and, and I roll. But, yeah, that's the new one, man. That's the new one. So, but I still work out seven days a week, twice a day. I'm still a gym rat, but, um, you know, I can't run, jump, and do some of the things with my kids that uh, I wish I could have as they were growing up. Well, still massive inspiration that you uh, you managed to work out. Because, again, lots of people would, oh, that's me. I can't do anything. Um, and they take a certain way. You've, like, I think we've mentioned this before in this episode. Like, you've always got a choice. You know, who sits on your throne? Is it like this little shadow self? Or is it someone like a king, someone powerful, right? Someone who's going to elevate themselves higher than uh, than what they could, what than average, right? They can actually push, push yourself up. Right. Michael, I think we could chat for hours, but um, I'm conscious of time. And I want to ask you this question because I want to get your insights on this. All right. And if someone is listening to this podcast episode and they're, and they're going through a tough time, they're struggling, what is some Michael arbitrary wisdom we can give them right now? You know, what I want to tell them is this. Fear is paralyzing, sir. Fear is paralyzing. So I want them to imagine getting out of their bed, about to put on their shoes, and the fear becomes so overwhelming that they decide not to pursue whatever their goal is. But what I want them to understand that when they chicken out and they back off from pursuing what their goal is, there's someone else getting out of their bed and they don't get their prize because you didn't put on your shoes. We're not only accountable to ourselves, you talked about the ripple effect. When you don't step into your purpose, there's other people down the line that don't get the benefit of you stepping into your purpose. So sometimes you got to understand that you're not only carrying the weight for yourself, there's other individuals in this world that you have no idea about that are relying on you on pursuing your goals. Absolutely love that. And obviously really the message is here, what take action and, and start living your life. Is that, is that the metaphor? Is that the message? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 100%. 150. 150%. Yes, sir. Love it. Michael, it's been an amazing chat, but I want to know if my listeners can connect with you. How can they do it? Where can people find you online? If they want to work with you, if they want to find out more inspiration uh, from your good self, where can they go? Okay, for my public speaking, I want them to go to michaelarterberry.com. That's where they can see more of my specific stuff on on speaking on stage and doing my public speaking. Um, For my youth work, they they can go to youthvoicescenter.org. That's my youth work. There's a nice video on there that I shot. It's a highlight reel. They can see me in action with my um, with my program. Social media, I'm very interactive. I'm on Facebook. LinkedIn, Instagram, we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that they're able to see it. And for your listeners, <laughs> if they go to shakethedirtexperience.com, Sam, they get a free copy of my book, Be Encouraged. Wow, there we go. I'm definitely going on there. And I think the Shake the Dirt thing has been uh, something I'm going to remember for a long, long time. So thank you for sharing yeah. that story. Thank you for being honest and, op- honest and open and vulnerable. And thank you just for, for bringing some energy, mate. Thank you. It's been a great chat and have a great rest of your day. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Breakthrough Pod. We'd love for you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Student Breakthrough. Make sure to subscribe to catch our next episode. Live your best life and have an awesome day.